0: Welcome to the Huddo Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Huddo, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huttocommunitychurch.org. Last week we started a new series called You Don't Have What It Takes, and we talked about the idea that uh, you aren't good enough. And we really kind of hammered that in. We went through the Ten Commandments. In fact, we even uh, looked at Paul's resume, and as he outlined that in Philippians, and and even Paul's resume doesn't stack up to be good enough to earn our way into God's approval or to have salvation. And we ended last week by saying that we are no longer trying to live this life for God's approval, but we are living this life from His approval. We already have his approval, so we don't have to earn it. We don't have to try in such a way as to earn. It's like uh, I use the idea of... Uh, when you were on a sports team, perhaps in high school, and you were trying to earn the starting spot. You behave much differently when you are trying to earn something than when you have it. But if you've already been named the starting quarterback, you don't have to try anymore. Now you are living from the approval of a coach with the confidence to be able to move forward. And so when it comes to our life in Christ, we are not ones who are striving to gain salvation. All of that has been given to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So now, this life, we live confidently, securely, and freely from that approval. And and so the same thing is really going to apply today as we dive into week number two here, and we're going to talk about the idea uh, that you can't please everyone. You can't please everyone. And now that's a hard reality, especially for some of us, and and today is a message that I preach to myself, because I am a people pleaser. I want all of you to be very happy and pleased with all of the things that I am doing. I want us to have great relationship. I don't like conflict. I don't want to have any kind of tension in our relationship, so I am often uh, coming from a place where I'm trying to engage you in such a way that will be pleasing. Now, um, American editor and author and Pulitzer Prize winner, Herbert Swope, said this, I cannot give you the formula for success, but I can give you the formula for failure, and that is to try to please everybody. The second we try to please everybody, we are going to fail. And now we know this. We know we can't please everybody. If we sit here and talk about it, well, logically, of course, that makes sense. But actually believing that and And it's soaking into who we are and behaving that way is something totally different. So I want you to think for just a moment with me here. Think about how much you worry about what other people think of you. How much time do you spend contemplating perhaps what your spouse thinks about you or what your employer thinks about you or your friends What they think about you, or your clients, or your acquaintances, or your fellow church members, what they think about you. Why does it matter so much to us what other people think? Why does, for some of us, it really puts a knot in our stomach when there is tension or conflict in a relationship, and it's almost paralyzing. Why is that? Why are you willing to do almost anything to ensure that other people are pleased with you? I think there's a very simple answer to this, and I think that the answer is God has put the need to please deep within our hearts. Yet the problem is when when we distort what He has put in us, and we use it for the wrong purposes. And what happens is we begin to live for the approval of others in a really unhealthy manner, so that it becomes emotionally exhausting. And we put all of our energy and all of our effort into pleasing people. And it doesn't really matter what they think anyway, rather than trying to please Jesus. So I want to talk about lies we believe in this series. Uh, we are talking about the lies that the world throws against us that we tend to believe. And logically, again, we know these things are not true. But the problem is we live as if they are true. And then when we find out they aren't true, we don't turn around and blame the world for those problems. But we turn turn around and we blame God and say, "This is your fault. You've lied to me." And the problem is that's just absolutely not true. So we want to be able to identify these lies and. and identify where they come from. So the first one we're going to talk about today is that I must have everyone's love and approval. I must have everyone's love and approval. And again, this one is me. I don't know why, I don't even know where it came from, but I have a need to please other people. And it really doesn't matter who you are. You could be a stranger off the street and we could have just met and I'm going to have a desire to please you. I want you to be happy and be happy with me so that I uh, have your approval. And I guess it's this way of validating um, that that we are good and that there's something redemptive inside of us. And so uh, that's lie number one, uh, that I have to have everyone's love and approval. Number two, and I think this one probably applies more to women than to men, but it's my job is to make sure everyone is happy. My job is to make sure everyone is happy. Now, we got, we got two problems here. Number one, the goal of life is not to be happy. Do we get that? The goal of life is not to be happy, especially for the Christian. The goal of life is to become more like Christ, meaning that we have to grow and we have to mature and we have to do hard things. And frankly, that's just tough. And it sounds like work because it is, And none of us want to do that. It's much easier if we just are happy and we do things that we like and that please us and that are comfortable for us and our families. Now, so here we have, our job is to make everyone else happy. Remember, happiness is not the goal, but here's how this looks, okay? Especially, again, especially for women. If everyone has to be happy in my household, then it's my job. Now, my kids want mac and cheese to eat, so I'm going to make mac and cheese so that my kids are happy but my husband wants um, chicken spaghetti, so I'm going to also make chicken spaghetti. So I'm doing double the duty here so that everybody in my house can be happy. And if the kids are too loud and the husband is unhappy, well, then it's my job to make everyone happy. So I'm going to grab the kids and we're going to leave so that husband can have peace and quiet. And, and women, you, you put this burden on your back that you're never meant to carry because you can't make everyone else happy. You are not responsible for your husband's happiness. He is. We all have to own our own emotional state and we all have to own that happiness is not the goal of life. And sometimes we just have to confront the fact that we're not going to be happy and we've got to work through that and we've got to process that and get over it. Frankly, the goal of life is not happiness and women is not your job to make your husband happy. He can only be content when he is right with the Lord. Number three, and this one I think goes more to men. uh, My good intentions ought to satisfy everyone. Example from our household. I love my wife and she loves when I take out the trash. And so I, I take out the trash for our family. Now, what happens is, is after I take out the trash, often something has happened in the three seconds I've gone outside to put the trash in the dumpster. And so I get distracted and I forget to replace the trash bag in the trash can. And somewhere along the way, five minutes later, Brooke will go to throw something in the trash can and she'll open it up and say, (sighs) and I'll know immediately, immediately, (laughs) oh, I forgot to put the trash bag in. And, you know, it's not a big point of contention for us, but the example is, well, I intended to put the trash bag back and that should make you happy, right? My good intentions should make everyone else happy. The problem is that too is a lie. So what we see when we begin talking about all of this is it is imperative uh, that we understand who our audience is. And we understand that our job is not to live to please our spouse. Our job is not to live to please other people, our co-workers, our bosses. Our job is to live for the audience of one, to live to please our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I am not saying you should ignore everybody else's feelings and be a jerk to them. That is not biblical, okay? We're not saying that, but our ultimate audience is our Lord and Savior, and He is the one that we have to please. Um, Quick little truth right here. Becoming obsessed with what other people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. And so I want us to understand that this is all about our identity here. And this is about who we are on the inside. And when we when we care more about what others think about us, then we're putting God in second place. And we're saying, you're not as important as these other people in my life. Whether it be a spouse, whether it be our friends or coworkers or whomever that is, we are saying to God, you are second place and you don't have Authority, you don't, you are not really Lord of my life, but other people are. And we put them in that spot. And I would just argue that as believers, this is one of our biggest issues. And I would say um, maybe have we've seen a decline in Christianity because we care more about what other people outside of this building think than we do about what Jesus Christ thinks. And so consequently, we we have lost our identity. And our identity is to please people, not in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. So let's talk about this for a minute. Am I a people pleaser? Let's talk about some characteristics of those, myself included, um, uh, who are people pleasers. Uh, Number one, we take criticism very personally. Anybody ever been criticized and taken it personally? Yeah. Anybody ever gone in for a a job review and there's been some harsh things said? And instead of taking that as constructive criticism and going to work on yourself, you have felt like that was a personal attack on you. And you've said, this person doesn't like me, they hate me, they're out to get me. And you've taken it way too personal. Criticism is a difficult thing. But as believers in Christ, when, when, when criticism comes our way, we cannot receive that as a personal attack, but we have to look at our lives and say, okay, if, if this were true, if there's some truth to this at all, what is God trying to say to me in this? Do I have a character flaw? Do I have something that I need to shore up in my life? Is there some evidence of truth that would have made this person think this way about me? And what does God want me to do about it? How does he want me to handle that? Secondly, for people pleasers, you feel an extraordinary fear of rejection. Now, guys, this one is me to a T because I don't ever want to be rejected. And so if I have to have a hard conversation with someone, I dread it. And if it's a week out, I will dread it the entire week. When that day comes, I'm going to be filled with fear over having that conversation because I don't want to be rejected. And what this does is it really kind of paralyzes us, and and we have to do this thing, maybe have this conversation, or maybe uh, we need to make a move, or we need to make a job change, and we are overly concerned about what other people are going to think about that decision that we know we have to do. We know it's the right thing. We know the Lord is calling us to do it, but we're more concerned about their reaction to it rather than pleasing our Father who is in heaven. So sometimes we don't do the things that we know we ought to do because we are afraid we're going to be rejected. Number three, we find it hard to express our true feelings. Find it hard to express or true feelings. So we put on a mask that says, well, I I don't really care about this issue, or I'm not going to address some issue because I don't really want it to be known how I felt. Again, going back to what we just talked about, because I don't want to be rejected. And so we cover it up in different ways. One of the ways we do that is we praise other people too much. We praise other people too much. And so uh, let's, Luke, you did a phenomenal job leading worship. Very grateful for that. Um, but if I were to go to Luke and say, Luke, you did such an amazing job. I mean, it's the best worship service I've ever been a part of. I mean, you make, um, uh, you make Hillsong just look like trash. And we're going way over the top with our praise, right? And, and, and what we're doing is we're try, I'm trying to please Luke by giving him too many compliments. Have you ever done that? Because you just want to earn somebody's trust and respect. You want them to like you. Or maybe you over-explain why you can't do things. You've got a conflict, you can't be there, you can't make a meeting, and so you begin to ramble on with excuse after excuse. Well, I'm so sorry, I can't be there. I just, you know, I've got this thing, and then with my kids and my job, and I'm just so busy and I'm overwhelmed, and I just can't be there. And we go on and on and on because we're trying to please people and we don't want them to reject us. Or maybe we don't admit that our feelings are hurt. And so rather than addressing the issue and having a hard conversation, which, by the way, we're a church, we do hard things. And when the time comes, we have hard conversations, and we confront one another, and we're honest about our feelings because we know at the end of the day we are for one another, not against each other. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're a family. We love one another, and sometimes we just have to deal with hard things. But if we're afraid of what other people are going to think about us or that they're going to reject us, then we have a hard time admitting, hey, I feel really offended by that. (laughs) Or maybe what we'll do is we'll just blend in like a chameleon. And we just, we don't ever say anything to anyone about anything. We just blend in. Or we apologize too much. We say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I can't do this. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) And on and on we go. Or finally, we just we feel responsible for other people's feelings so we don't express our true feelings. And I think about this in the context of marriage. Right? If if I feel that my it is my job to make Brooke happy and I'm responsible for her happiness, then I'm gonna do everything within my power to make her happy. And it doesn't matter how detrimental it is to me or how out of whack our relationship begins to get because it is my job to make her happy. And I can't express my true feelings. If there's a conflict or if there's something going on, I can't tell her about it because she has to be happy. Right? And we fall into that trap of happiness all over again. And we walk on eggshells because we're afraid to express our true feelings. We're afraid of being rejected. The other thing we do is we just, we have a hard time saying no. And we don't have good boundaries in our life. And so we we let anyone encroach on our lives, and, and anyone could come in and ask anything of us, and we'll just say yes all of the time, no matter how much, much it costs us, no matter how much it costs our family, no matter what kind of damage it does, we just say yes all of the time because we want to please other people. and We feel it's our responsibility to make them happy. When the truth is, as Paul said in Romans, I'm sorry, in um Second Timothy chapter two: We are to live. We are to live as a good soldier, pleasing our commanding officer. So I want us to take a look at what Paul has to say about this this whole issue, and we're going to be in Galatians uh, chapter one today. So if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to open it up and to go to Galatians chapter one, and I'm going to start uh, reading in verse six. Accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now, let's stop right there for just a minute. For those of you who were here last week, uh, what is happening in Galatians was the same thing that we read about last week in Philippians. So here was a pattern that would happen in Paul's life. He would go to a particular city. He would share the gospel. He would plant a church. The gospel would take root and begin to grow. Paul would leave that city, and then he would go on to other places to continue to share the gospel message. And there were these people who would come in behind Paul and who would distort his message, and they would criticize Paul, and they would say, no, Paul is not a real apostle. Paul was not right. And one of the things that they would teach is that, uh, and these people were called Judaizers because they wanted Christians to become Jews as well and follow the Old Testament law, specifically the rite of circumcision. So we talked about this last week. It happened in Philippi. It happened in Galatia as well, where we're reading today. And Paul is heard about this. He is writing to them and saying, listen, guys, I gave you the true gospel. Anytime you begin to try to add works to the gospel, you want to add the Old Testament law into the gospel, it's wrong. And I don't care if you feel like an angel from heaven has come down and told you something different. Do not abandon the gospel that we have given you. Don't do it. So that's kind of the context of where he's coming from. He's saying, focus on the gospel. And then we get to verse 10. And here's what he says in verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? How do you answer that question? When you think about the totality of your life, who are you trying to please? Are you trying to please other people or God? Or maybe it's not other people. Maybe it's just pleasing self over God. Who are you trying to please? He continues, or am I now trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ you guys remember the little song this little light of mine you guys remember that remember how it goes this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine yeah do you remember the second verse hide it under a bushel no I'm gonna let it shine and what about the third verse don't let Satan it out I'm gonna let it shine. In our world, how do you let your light shine? How do you let your light shine? Do you let it shine when you go to work and you're around your coworkers who don't believe in Christ? Do you let it shine when you're out with your friends on the weekend and you're with them, or do you just kind of hide it under a bushel for a little bit? I have a friend, he calls this selective shine therapy. And what happens is uh, we come to church and we let our light shine. We say, here's my light, and I'm going to tell everybody about it. I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus, and I'm going to tell everybody about all the good things that I did because I'm going to let my light shine. But then what happens is we, we go into the work week, and we just kind of compartmentalize it and put it on the shelf and say, uh, I'm not really going to let my light shine until it's convenient for me again. And if it's convenient, then I'll bring it out. But if I'm around people who don't believe in Christ, then, then I'm, I'm going to put it up and not bring it out. And again, the issue here is identity. The issue here is our identity because our identity is not in Christ because if our identity is secure in Jesus Christ and who he is, then we're not living for the world and our light is always shining. It doesn't just shine at church. It doesn't just shine at small group. It doesn't just shine at prayer time. It's shining 24, 7, 365. But if our identity is in pleasing other people, or in blending in, being that chameleon, then we'll put it away until it's helpful for us again. So let's talk about this, because this is a disease that we have. The disease to please, I'm going to call it. And, and when we do this sort of thing, what's it called? Anybody remember? Idolatry. People-pleasing is a form of idolatry. We talked about the Ten Commandments last week. Remember number one? You shall have no, no other gods before me, no other idols when we aim to please other people we are putting something else as priority number 1 and that by definition is idolatry in john chapter 12 in verses 42 and 43 we read a very interesting situation it says nevertheless many even of the authorities believed in him but for fear of the pharisees they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. That's very interesting. And I wonder how many of us that becomes true. That that when we're in a social situation or a business situation, that our light is not shining. Because we, we want the glory of man. We want to look good before other people. And we would rather take in all of that praise from man rather than praise from God. And I'll tell you, it's an easy trap to fall into. It really is because praise from man is easy to receive because I can go and I can perform good deeds. I can perform good works. I can do all of these wonderful, noble things. And people will say, oh, Pastor Russell, you're so wonderful. Thank you so much for all you've done for our community and all of these things. And that feels good. And we can all do that in in our selective jobs or with our social groups Yet to be intimate enough with our Lord and Savior and to hear well done from the Holy Spirit is much harder because it takes work. It takes work cultivating that relationship. It takes work to be in the Word of God and to remember it, to be able to meditate on it and to be able to recall it and to have the approval that comes from a deep, intimate, personal relationship with Christ. It takes work. Whereas praise from man is easy. And again, we have a need to please, a divine need to please that has been put deep inside of us. So it's easy to grab it from other people rather than to grab it from God. And I would go so far as to say this is not just idolatry, but this is self-induced slavery. It's a self-induced slavery. Because when you have to please man, then everything, all of your energy goes into pleasing other people. And you can't not do anything else. And you are enslaved. Because remember, this is, not just, this is not just about... How do I say this? This is about sin, y'all. Because when we have other idols in our lives, and when we put the, the glory of other people in front of the glory of God, then that's idolatry. And, and it's just straight up sin. Sin. And so we've enslaved ourselves to sin once again rather than living in the freedom that comes from Christ. So either Christ and his cross looms large in our hearts, and that is number one, or it's not. And there's various traps that we fall into. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25 says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. You guys know what a snare is? It's a trap. Fear of man will prove to be a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. And so there's some very obvious traps that we can fall into. Number one is I will compromise. I will compromise for you. And um, I will change who I really am. I will change who I am on the inside in order to please you. And we think that if we, we know better than God, because if we can please other people, that will make everything right in our life and everything will be okay. And we've all been there. We've all done that. Um, We've all compromised for one reason or another. Another trap is uh, I will overcommit for you. I will overcommit for you. Anybody know what happens when we overcommit? What's that? Yeah, we get grumpy. We burn out. We're tired. We don't have anything left emotionally to give to those closest to us. And I... This is hard because I see this most in families. And I see parents over committing for the sake of their children. And this is difficult because we, we live in a world that says children are number one in my life. And I have to do everything that my kid wants so that they can be happy and that they can be successful and that they can keep up with all of the other kids in their grade. And so... Um, We'll do all of the extracurriculars with our kids. We'll say you want to play baseball, you want to be in Boy Scouts, you want to do robotics, you want to do everything? Cool, okay, yeah. We will sacrifice our lives and sanity so that you can do that, and we will overcommit ourselves. What happens when we don't have margin, folks? We get burned out. When we don't have margin in our finances, when when we overcommit our finances, it's not good. When we overcommit ourselves time-wise, it ends up hurting us in the long run. And, and again, this goes back to pleasing people and having our priorities out of whack because we're not living for Christ and Him first. And when you, when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And just personal example, this happened to me like three years ago. We were uh, in the middle of trying to obtain this building. Uh, I was on several nonprofit boards at the time that took more time than they should have. Um, I was a chaplain with the police department here. And there were nights when Haley would ask Brooke, where's daddy? Haven't seen daddy. Where is he? And that begins to like really hit home here. And so I just, I quit everything. I said, I've got to take a break. I've got to get my priorities straight because I'm living to please all of you people rather than living for Christ and being the godly man, husband, and father that God has assigned me to be. Number three, I will uh, let you limit my success. I will let you limit my success. I think this happens a lot in churches, especially between pastors, because when pastors get together, oftentimes it becomes a bragging show. And pastors will begin to talk about, oh, we had 15 people saved last weekend. We had 32 people baptized. Our membership is up to 720, and there's a lot of exaggeration that goes on within that, and our success becomes defined by our numbers. And the same thing is true in in our society today. If you're in sales, your success is defined by how much you close, how many deals you close, what those commissions look like. Same thing is, I mean, we have to have metrics for if we're doing well or doing not. So it's natural that numbers would be a part of that. But what we do is we internalize that. And we say, if I'm not hitting these numbers, then I'm not good enough. And the reality is that success is not determined by numbers. Success is determined by changed lives. And at Huddle Community Church... We wanna be a church that changes lives and changes eternities. And so success is determined not by if we have 500,000 people who show up to our church, but is God working in your life? Is he working in your life, in your life? Is God working in your life? Is your heart changing and becoming more sensitive to the Lord? Are you doing more devotional time and spending more time in prayer? Has uh, that bubbled up outside of you and begin to overflow in witness to other people around us? it's changed hearts and it's changed lives. And that's not always reflected in great and valiant numbers, but it's about what's happening here on the inside. It's about what's happening in your heart. And so I, I say all this and really, we just have to accept the fact that it's impossible to please everybody. I'm not going to please you as your pastor. There's going to be days that you're like, you're sick of hearing me. You think that was a terrible sermon and I'm making bad leadership decisions and all that kind of stuff. You, as church people, you can't please me. It's impossible. We're we're not going to please one another. And we can't control other people. And when we begin to try to live our lives in such a way that we control other people, there's a simple word for that, and that's called manipulation. Also not very good. So, number two. Here we go. The fear of God is the best antidote for the fear of people. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus says this, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more than that they can do. But I will warn you whom you, whom you to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has the authority to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And uh, not one of them is forgotten by God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. And then he would skip down in that same chapter in verse 32, and he would say, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so what we have to understand is that God has to be first in our life. He has to be first. He has to be ultimate. Everything else has to come in second place to him everything. And we fear him. We have a healthy respect knowing he is the one who has the power to cast our soul into hell. He has the power to kill our body. Man, what can man do? What the best you're going to do is you're going to take my life. But after that, I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus and it's going to be more glorious than anything on this earth, anything in this world has to offer. And so we fear him. We honor Him. We respect Him. He is our ultimate authority. He is our number one. We live for an audience of one. And Jesus was our best example of this. We read in Matthew 22:16, 16, and they sent their disciples to Him along with uh, the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. Get this, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. And then in John four thirty four, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I wonder, could you say that today? Could you say that your mission in life is to do the will of God and to accomplish his work? Are you living for him? See, we're to live for the audience of one. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, In verses four through six, Paul writes, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from other people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. And so, you know, in, in the life of Paul, everything, every time he went to a city, well, not every time, but there were times, certainly, when people would say, oh my goodness, Paul, you are, you are one of the gods. And I forget, what city? Was that Ephesus that that happened in? Help me, Bible scholars. I think that was Ephesus. And, and they wanted to uh, make he, um, anyway, I'm, I'm lost. Uh, the point is, Paul always shifted back to the gospel. He always shifted back to Jesus, and we must do the same. So last week we ended by saying we are not living for his approval anymore. We are living from it. And today we're going to say I am no longer living for man's approval because I am living from God's approval. We look to bring glory and honor to him to live for the audience of one. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.